0: W Media. Welcome to Feminist Buzzkills Live, the show that thinks Matt Gates would make a great toilet scrubber. I'm Liz Winstead, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Moji Alamodayel. Hey. And sadly absent from the program today is our third co-conspirator, Marie Kahn. Somehow our hearts will go on because we have to do a show with or without Marie, and mm-hmm. it is a big-ass show. Coming up, while the world sets Josh Hawley's
1: cowardice to music, we're going to fill you in on his relentless history of reproductive repression and... Indiana is going hard on their race to the bottom of abortion access.
0: Plus, the Christian extremists Operation Save America are having their national hate convention this week in Nashville. And we'll talk to Kim Gibson and Dorinda Hancock from the Pink House Defenders. And we engage about leading coalitions of activists to directly confront their hate on the streets and at their churches. Plus, AAF bad guy analyst Kat Green is here. She's been watching all of OSA's training sessions at this monstrous event, and she's going to break down their strategies and tactics to drive their anti-abortion party bus.
1: But before we get to that and updating you on the latest closings, bans, and where access is safe, we cannot move forward until we offer up some thoughts and prayers for alleged teen enthusiast Matt Gates. Thoughts and prayers, Matt Gates. Thoughts, thoughts and, and prayers. prayers. He's so the wrong person. Oh my God, he really fucked around and found out. <laughs> So last weekend, when speaking at a Turning Point USA Student Action Summit, which like, wow, they had no other options, demented Lego Man stunt double Matt Gates claimed that abortion activists were unfuckable. But then, because that's that's not great, but okay. But then he doubled down by tweeting a picture of 19-year-old activist Olivia Juliana, who happened to be a political strategist for Gen Z for Change. And notable tall woman. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) she managed to spin his crap into gold, essentially springboarding office lures to raise over $750,000 for abortion funds in like three days. And they're still accepting donations if you want to throw some coins in their direction. Oh, my God.
0: It's so good. And she was just like, I don't, I don't care, Matt Gates. You know, you're gonna body shame me. Uh, we're gonna raise money for abortion. And, you know, to have that, like, he's either Beavis or Butthead. I can never tell which one. He's uh, both. He is maybe, yeah, he yeah, is a combo. He's both. Yeah, but like to literally have Matt Gates, who has been literally, there is an ongoing investigation into his proclivities with teens and not just one, but like, what are you doing, Matt Gaetz? Um and, and he's like, I'm like, A, you let this man speak at a youth, a youth summit. And then B,
1: he's like, you know what I want to do? I want to attack a teen. Like if I was him, I'd be running away from anything youth
0: related, but um, clearly men like him don't learn. <laughs> well, there anyway. was so much, there was just so much going on. Um, the, tu- you know, the turning, the turning point. Or whatever they're is that what they're called? Turning point. I think their turning Charlie, point USA Charlie is Charlie Kirk's outfit. You know, Josh mm-hmm. Hawley spoke at it. Ted Cruz spoke at it, and they all try to be like hipsters at it and edgy, and it always lands like so fucking hard, and so. Um poor Matt Gates. Um, uh, well, Matt Gates, thank you for um helping uh, helping raise money for abortions because we need it. So Matt Gaetz, you guys is good for one thing. Raising and one money thing for only. abortion. <laughs> raising and, money for abortion. And we need it right now. So before we get to some stories, I just want to quickly run through the landscape of where we are at each week. We like to open the show telling you where the bands are, where the clinics are closing, where the stays are happening, and where good things are happening. This week, there is not a lot of good stuff, but let me kick it off. Quickly, So a lot of these bans, the clock started ticking 30 days after the judgment was issued by the Supreme Court in the case, and the Supreme Court issued that judgment on Tuesday. So a lot of these bans are going to take effect 30 days from Tuesday, which is August 25th. So Tennessee, August 25th, their trigger ban, which is going to go into effect, means abortion with no exceptions for rape and incest, only with exception to the protect the life of the person who is pregnant. But, you know, Tennessee gets to decide like at what point you get to intervene, which is terrifying. Um, Also, what's terrifying about that. I don't I know you don't want to do the run through, but they have no like they get to indict someone and then the doctor might have to defend themselves, which is. Well, that's in all of these cases. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's in almost every single one of these cases, which is just incredibly wild. Idaho, they have a six-week and a bounty that takes effect, August 25th. But Planned Parenthood is suing against both of those, the Texas-style bounty and the six-week ban. And both of those cases will be heard by the Idaho Supreme Court next week. Also... August 25th, Texas, I know, you're like, oh, is there still abortion in Texas? Could it get worse? (laughs) Oh, it turns out it can. Texas is trying to get rid of that six-week ban and just have a total all-out ban on abortion. That's going to trigger it out into effect. And also, it means that Uh, If you're a doctor and you induced an abortion, you can get up to 20 years in prison if the abortion is unsuccessful. I'm not sure what that means. Um, I'm like, what what happens if it's successful?
1: What happens if it's
0: successful? I don't know. I don't know what an unsuccessful abortion (laughs) is. Super weird. Uh, The law also has a fine of $100,000 for each violation. The law does not include, for exceptions, for rape and incest, but it does provide for medical emergencies, which, as we know, the state of Texas uh, defines uh, zero things as a medical emergency. Maybe if your Viagra doesn't work. I don't know. Uh, injunctions, TROs, these are temporary restraining orders that put bans on hold. Um, while that sounds like a good idea, it's really basically some of this is just like putting gum and and string together and trying to putty up a hole waiting for the inevitable. But Wyoming, uh, a clinic tried to open in Wyoming and a banana, and uh, they're saying that this uh, new law violates the state's constitution because it takes away people's rights around family composition and making decisions around their private health. So a clinic that was trying to open in Wyoming is suing and a judge said, okay, we'll wait on that. In North Dakota, there was a judge ruled that the attorney general of North Dakota prematurely attempted to execute their trigger ban by saying, as I just said, um, the trigger ban was supposed to go into effect when the Supreme court actually filed the case. And North Dakota tried to put that in place immediately And they said, hold up. So uh, right now there is an injunction or a a TRO for those 30 days. So uh, we will see what happens at the end of those 30 days. Kentucky, that was a couple of weeks ago where a Kentucky judge said, we're going to keep this uh, abortion ban will not stand. Uh, And so for now, you can get abortions in Kentucky. That's been held up for a while. Uh, And in Kansas next week, they will be voting on a constitutional amendment, which is a little terrifying. Right now, it is in the Kansas Constitution that abortion is a right to you. It's a constitutional right if you're a Kansan. Uh, They're putting it on the ballot to say we would like to amend that and say that it actually isn't a constitutional right. And so people in Kansas are going to be taken to the polls to see if they're going to vote against the constitutional right to abortion, which is terrifying. And it really
1: seems like it's like 50 50 with uh, Kansas. It's like, oh, a reliably Republican state. But also uh, most people do believe that people should, you know, have the right to abortion.
0: So, yeah, I know it's it's a lot but we'll put all of these links in our show notes. So if you're like, I can't remember all that. Don't worry. We know. Um, We'll have the links to the stories, how these things were decided and all of that. So let's cover some big stories a little bit more in-depthly this week, Moach. I'm going to kick it off. Zero out of 10 were surprised that this week, (laughs) Indiana, the state that gave us Amy Coney Barrett and Mike Pence is surprisingly the first state to call a special session subcommittee in their Senate to uh, propose a bill that would end abortion in all ways that you could end it. These Hoosier succubi have such a lust for oppression that even when they were the state that was able to be a safe haven for a 10-year-old rape victim to access abortion, they were like, nah, didn't bring them any pause at all it just full steam ahead in fact indiana creeton who is now the lead counsel for the national right to life said that the 10-year-old should have been forced to have that baby the state senators heard testimony from roughly 30 people on monday only about 10% of the 280 people who requested to speak and there were thousands of protesters in indianapolis at the statehouse mostly pro abortion rights and yet a gerrymandered state with a pro choice majority has a supermajority of anti abortion white walkers holding So if Indiana gets its way, the trilogy of terror that is their House, Senate and governor will ban all abortions in the moment of conception, with exceptions for rape and incest, threats to the the pregnant patient's health or fatal fetal anomalies. But again, they get to choose. uh, I was going to say, we're hmm. in a terrible moment where it's like, oh, that sounds humane when it's not. Right. And, and it, you know, and those are the things that like we've been talking about on the pod obsessively how it's been my biggest fear that these rape exceptions, um, are going to bring on all kinds of Mm re-traumatizations for people. And sure enough, in this bill, one of the amendments within it restricts the rape and incest exceptions to the first eight weeks of pregnancy for people who are 16 and older, and to 12 weeks for those who are under 16. So you're forced to, within a couple months, just come forward with your rape. And if you are... yeah, Weeks. And if you are under 16 and you were raped, you know, a lot of times it's from someone you know or a family member, and it's just so cruel. And the other things that's so fucked up is that part of this bill is for those who are victims of rape and incest, including minors, they have to sign an affidavit in order to receive an abortion, and that affidavit will become part of the patient's permanent medical records. How chilling is that? Really chilling.
1: I don't even yeah. know like what the ramifications of like having an affidavit that's part of your permanent rep- medical records could be for ongoing care in any circumstance. But I right. feel like it would give me pause.
0: Yeah. Well, and also the thing that was really interesting about this is a group of synagogues and and folks who belong to various parts of Judaism brought forth a religious exemption. They said we believe that there should be religious exemption because these go against our religion, and they didn't even hear that. And so, even there was an anti-abortion Christian guy who said, "You know, why does one religion only get a hearing? Is this America?" And so that was also really chilling that they were like only the only religious, you know, takes hot takes are from Christians. And so, yeah, I I, I feel like people never haven't been they've been kind of just reporting on Indiana, but they haven't broken it down. And while we have so much to get to in the show, and I wish we could break it down more, I just want folks to understand that Indiana has been trying to create a total abortion ban since 2018. So for five years, this has been something they've pushed. The pre-row, they've been really into it, really Catholic. you know. Mike Pence was their governor. So it's just so, Indiana's problematic. And I think that we bypass these Midwestern states and think that It's the South and it's just these places. And it's like, it's every fucking state. And Indiana has been leading the charge for a super long time. And because Indiana is one of the five states that borders Illinois, that will have zero or very few ways that somebody can access abortion. Your Illinois story, Moj, is more important than ever.
1: It really is. Um, And again, I like... (laughs) You know, we knew this was coming. I'm sorry. I'm just digressing for a minute. We knew this was coming when the Supreme Court took Dobbs, But living this reality right now is so terrifying and heartbreaking. And it's like every day is whiplash and terror and misinformation and crazy. So anyway.
0: To get and to it's my... forgotten in the media already. You know, oh, it's like ready. You're ready You know, they're, they're like, just oh. like, I mean, January 6th is really important and I'm obsessed with it, too. But like, it's like. This is happening every day and it's just dropped off the news. So that's why we're here. That's the whole reason why I'm here. Anyway,
1: so I ran, ran up on a more uplifting story, although no, no abortion stories are uplifting these days. You may know about the Janes and it was a pre-roll collective of women in Illinois and they, just a handful of women, I think less than 10. College girls. Yeah, college girls just work together to get people to safe abortion back when le- abortion was illegal, kind of. Well, kind of like right now, right? We're, we're post they were pre row and here we are post row, and we're back to abortion being legal in a growing number of states, but not Illinois, this little haven of abortion access in the Midwest. And an activist named Tamar Manasseh, Um, she was inspired by the recent documentary on HBO about the Janes that really dug deep into the work that they're doing. And it's still available on HBO. And she was just inspired to revive that kind of work. And fortunately for her, she's in a safe space. She's in Illinois um, and she's partnering with the Chicago Abortion Fund and basically working to fight misinformation about abortion and connect people with resources and access to abortion care. So she's based in Illinois, but she also travels. And one of the things that they're doing, which I think is interesting, Also a little weird, but also, you know, you have to start somewhere is they have these shirts that say Jane and they essentially want it to be an invitation for people to talk about reproductive rights. So, of course, it's heartbreaking that what is this, 50 years later, we need this again. But it also is kind of uplifting because the Jane Collective was a very, it's a very white network. It was um, in the clips I've seen of the documentary. I know, Liz, you've seen it. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, there's like one black woman, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I'm excited to see a black woman cleaning this work and really trying to reframe it through a reproductive justice lens, specifically targeting black and brown people who need
0: abortion care. Well, so and was, I think that that's so cool. I love yeah, it.
1: Yeah, I do. I really love it, and that was and like you know,
0: it, and it's like I don't know. We've been to so many clinics, and you know, escorting is um, a predominantly white game, mm-hmm. and a lot of that is because it's privileged to. Could be able to do something for free on a Saturday afternoon, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that creating a safe environment or a way to have conversations where somebody that looks like you is open to having a conversation with you about abortion. And, you know, the Janes, it's pretty interesting. You know, if you don't know the history, it's Very quickly, college girls started getting phone calls. Can you help my friend get an abortion? And uh, they started a network where they were giving people and accessing people to a guy who was not a doctor, but knew how to perform abortions. And then he taught some of these college girls how to do early abortions. And they did about 14,000 abortions and 99.9% of them were safe abortions. I think anybody who had trouble really not reported, but it's a fascinating way to put yourself on the line for folks. And um, I'm really glad that that's happening. And I'm really excited that Black women are just taking it and saying, I want to do this for mine. I want to do this. Like we need to be present.
1: And I really like that she goes to the South side of Chicago, right? She doesn't wait for people to like show up at a clinic and be like, what what do I need? I think there, she's very much like I'm going to where people are and I'm letting people know about what's happening in the States because we- you know we read this these articles all the time a lot of news outlets are not reporting any longer if you are not compulsively fascinated with this issue you may not be paying a lot of attention and i like that she really goes to where people are and is like this is what's going on you should know this is what we can do so that was really exciting that that
0: was really good for me. I love it. And so we'll put the link to, if you want to get a shirt and support their cool work, I think it's wearejane.org and we'll put mm-hmm. that in the shirts are cool. They're black or white and they just say Jane on them. And it's kind of great. And I'm sure they're going to be like targeted and people are like, are you Jane's revenge? Are you the ones who are spray painting on fake clinics? And it's like, I guarantee you if they are not. And then lastly, I just wanted to touch on a little, little Josh Hawley fun because, um, You know, while the media is fascinated with Josh Hawley's obsession with adoration from any race-baiting man-squatch that will give it to him, I just wanted to give some focus to his work on promoting anti-abortion and anti-birth control policies that make Clarence Thomas look like, I don't know, me, I guess, (laughs) Um, terrifying. But like, so Josh Hawley, you know, he is very obsessed as everyone has been paying attention to with, you know, every single thing that's wrong so that he can have a fan base. But I was reading and Josh Hawley was spent his career when he was the attorney general of Missouri and then in turn ran for Senate. He ran on this notion that he fought for Hobby Lobby at the Supreme Court and won. And he positioned himself as the Hobby Lobby lawyer. And I fought for Hobby Lobby and I was in the court and fought for Hobby Lobby. And while in his fever dream, he did that. (laughs) Truth be told, Josh Hawley was not admitted into the bar that could argue before the Supreme Court until a year after Hobby Lobby. So it turns out he wrote a brief in the Hobby Lobby case because, of course, you know, he doesn't want people to have any kind of birth control, you know. And I love it because the Christian craft store, what is a Christian craft store? I have no idea. What do they sell there? Two by fours? I have no idea. Manger fixings? What does happen at a Hobby Lobby? I'm unclear. So it's and no one he keeps getting away with it. It's still on his website. He still promotes that and his obsession with toxic masculinity and this whole movement's obsession with toxic masculinity. And we call it toxic masculinity. They call it that we're trying to strip the woke mob is trying to strip them from being manly or some shit. Yeah. I think they um, call it manhood, but it makes no sense what they're defining. No. As and so I was on Ari Melver last weekend. Ari had a, a clip that I we stripped the audio from of just how obsessed he is with us taking manhood. I just want you to listen to how mad he is about it. The left's attack on America leads directly to an attack on men. Men are in crisis, Tucker. It's time that we say to young men in particular, we need you. We need you to be responsible. I think the liberal attack, the left-wing attack, on manhood says to men you're part of the problem they want to define the traditional masculine virtues things like courage and independence and assertiveness as a danger to society I love that he thinks that courage is the is some sort of male quality yeah and also that it's negative
1: um Liz I don't know if you've noticed but uh apparently he's writing a book called manhood yeah
0: he is writing a book called manhood how and- I just this this whole idea that this definition of what it means to be a man, there's no other way to be a man or or that there's characteristics that are uniquely gendered is so bizarre to me. It's almost like I want to be this way and this is how I want to be in the world and I don't think that anyone else gets to have these qualities. Isn't Josh Hawley part of the what is a woman crowd and by the what is a woman crowd?
1: I mean, they keep asking. (laughs) Oh
0: yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, he totally What is a woman. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, (laughs) he was also got like righteously schooled um, at a hearing that the Senate did on post row America and where we're at when he tried to pull that bullshit on so on a doctor, and <sighs> and it was just like um and she was like me you're a transphobic you. prick, you're yeah. a transphobic prick. Shut up, yeah. And he just got schooled on it, and then maybe he'll make a mug about that too, you know. Because he made a mug with his fist in the air and him like you up. said, schooled like he learned anything. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just I don't know, his ignorance <laughs> is very willful. The dude went to Yale, you know, he went to big ivies, and so. You know, it's like, why do you why do you, constantly try to act like you're not like a dude that went to all of the most privileged places in the world and then just decided that you're going to um, do this creepy 180 spinning on um, not even 180. I don't think he spun at all. It's just more like desperation of adoration. I mean, I really do believe that he's one of these people who wants to hate you first. To make sure that he has the upper hand because he knows you're going to hate him the second you get to know him. So he just wants to make sure he's setting, setting the stage. Um, but he's really gross. And um, so anytime uh, you hear Josh Holly bragging about that, you can just tell Josh Holly to fuck off. You did not argue any Hobby Lobby thing. You wrote a brief. That said, you know what? People shouldn't have contraception because somehow it's evil. So fuck you, Josh Holly. So, and I think that like, that's a good segue into our guests because our guests are coming to us live from Nashville, where they are doing some direct actions against the hate group Operation Save America and the Operation Save America theme this this year is reclaiming manhood. So where well, it go? I don't know. Men are men are very fret. If your manhood can be stolen by the woke mob who and by woke mob, they just mean anyone who is just saying, I'd like some pie, you know, they're just every they're all very upset right now. And so um I'm excited to talk to them. So joining us are Dorinda Hancock and Kim Gibson, who were leading the Pink House defenders, the clinic escort group that helped patients and providers at the Jackson Women's. Health Organization, which was the last clinic in Mississippi that was also the plaintiff in the now infamous Dobbs case that destroyed Roe v. Wade in June. They are also the co-founders of We Engage, an incredible activist organization fighting back against the anti-abortion bullies who have taken this nation. And as I mentioned earlier, they are leading an action called the Jezebel Rebellion against Operation Save America at their national conference in Nashville. And they're here to talk to us about that. Hey, Kim. Hey, Dorinda. Welcome. Hey. Hi. Hey, girl. How you doing? Uh, You know, wishing I was with you. Same. Wish you were here, girl. We have so much to talk about. But before we launch into Jezebel Rebellion and Next Steps for We Engage, I want to just talk a little bit about uh, your time at the Pink House, um, Pink House Defending, And just take a little bit of a, give people a little bit of a trip on how you all came to be and what defending that clinic was like and what it was like, you know, as you were coming to wind down as the clinic closed.
2: Yeah. Well, I was about to say, let Dorinda start in that. It started a long time ago and we'll start there. It started in 2013 with Dorinda and her partner, James. So take it away, Dorinda.
3: Yeah. I've been out there about nine and a half years now. A couple of people have been there that long. Um, we came together as a little motley crew because that's what we were. Um, and it's always been the last clinic in the state since I've been there. So all these people talking about seeing 20, 25 patients a day, kind of comical, you know, even back before everything got as bad as it is now, 50, 60 patients have always been the average. So We've always kind of been, everybody gives me a hard time, but, you know, the antis call clinics abortion mills. you damn straight that's what we were. Mm -hmm. We didn't have any choice because when you're the only one in the state and people are still coming to you from Alabama and Louisiana and everywhere else, yeah, we've always taken care of all the patients we possibly could day by day.
2: It
0: always always fascinates me when people are like, well, um, you know, Clint, there's clinics that do other things. And I was like, aren't they lucky? Like every <laughs> clinic that I know, it's like, they act like there's not a need to simply be a place that provides abortion. Like you would never scream at a hair salon for like, well, why don't you do foot massages too? It's like, cause bitch all day, every day, we got people who need haircuts. So like, <laughs> why is that so hard?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Exactly. And I, They're I love to it. tell people, no, we don't do anything else there. We do abortions. Oh, and we do birth control. That's all our staff has ever had time to do. Yeah,
0: you know, I, I know mean. it's wild. And so defending there, and you know, I've I I had the pleasure of being invited by y'all several times to come down and guest court and to have some make some trouble and uh, just celebrate who you are. Um, it's it's a, it's a community that it was so tight and lovely. And I I observing both of you in your work has been just really an honor. And I learned a lot from how good you are at listening to those assholes so that you can be stealth in your responses. And I think if you could give anybody, both of you, some tips on knowing when to pounce and knowing when to listen to them so that you're super effective, because I think it's a massive skill.
2: Well, I'll say this, information is power. And the more you get of it, the more power you have. Then you have to know how to deploy it. And it's all tactical. You don't sit there and chat with an anti I mean, you can do it if you want to. You know, I'm kind of over them. So that one down there, she'll do it. She'll talk to them all the time. But I'm like, I'm more about extraction of info. And I can be nice about it and stuff. But it's also not just getting info. You're also distracting them from patients. You're also... You know, trying to score a point here or there just for yourself because it's tired of listening to them or whatever. But there's lots of dis- different reasons, but yeah, listening is the key in figuring out who they are, where they're from and what, what their motivations might be other than stopping maybe baby murder.
3: Well, and I think people are always talking about, I couldn't do that because I'd lose my temper. And like, the if you'll notice most of the time, we don't talk to them when patients are present because that's where our focus is. But when we can focus elsewhere, then I think you put this bubble around you that says, I'm in control. I've got the power and I'm going to come at you, you know, not physically, but I'm going to come back at you with everything you give me. I'm giving it right back to you and keep your cool. You know, no, if you're if you know you're in control, why get angry? Yeah,
2: yeah so there's to no screen. Yeah, there's no st- you know, just a lot of people think that dealing with them is engagement. It's just, you're standing by a patient and you're screaming at each other. And that is absolutely the furthest thing from the truth. That is not happening. Now I might say something. I I have said something with a patient next to me before. Oh, hushed up. But it gives them the sense that I'm in control of that space. Mm -hmm. It gives them confidence that I know who that is. It gives them confidence that I'm not afraid of them and you shouldn't be either. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of different reasons and ways to, to do that. But you know, trying to figure out who's who and from where, because we got a lot of travelers and you never know who's at your clinic or what their intentions are. They're like, oh, well, I've never done anything until you do. Right. You, you know, right. you've been benign until you aren't. So that's the main thing is information gathering and trying to figure out who's from where, what their motivations are. And, then and I the think tactical they give a lot of away.
0: Discussion. They love to talk yeah, and yeah, so they reveal sure. a lot. They're like they straight up about
1: themselves. monologuers in that sense of like, oh, bad guys just want to monologue about their bad stuff. I feel like that is very much their vibe.
0: Yeah. I just want to say, too, it. I like, I like it also because um, you're forcing them to recognize your humanity, whether they choose to or not but you are human beings in the world in front of them. And you're not a statistic or a number or anything else. And they can call you a Jezebel all day long. But the fact of the matter is they have to deal with you as that person.
2: Mm -hmm. And and they're made aware that there's no welcome mat for you here. There's, you're not just going to stand here and do whatever you want to do, which they kind of do when you got no cops or anything, but you know, it's like you, it's not like just turning away from them, put it that way. You you can direct their behavior with some of your own. So you do whatever's necessary for the the job of the moment, whether it be assisting a patient or trying to find out something, distracting them from a patient, something to that effect. You just do whatever's necessary at the time being to do what needs to be done. So the beautiful pink house has closed, um, which is a sad moment for all of us.
1: And seeing videos of the pink house and the protesters outside was always distressing. It was like entirely too many people. And um, one of the main protesters that were were there were Operation Save America, and they had a huge presence. AAF and We Engage have been following them for years and we have images and research. And actually, listeners, if you wanna know, we have a website that lays out their history, who they are, what their goals are, and the best part. (laughs) is we trolled them because they let their domain name lapse and we bought it. And so operationsaveamerica.com, you can go there and read all about it from us. But can either of you kind of lay out a brief history of the group and what they do, specifically Operation Save
2: America. Okay. Once upon a time, a long time ago, (laughs) there was (laughs) a man. (laughs) There was a used car salesman named Randall Terry. And he created Operation Rescue up in the Northeast, and they started basically harassing and blocking clinic entrances. I'm being very brief here. And they, you know, what was it? Summer of Mercy. I mean, these things drew thousands of people to places. It was terrorism. It still is terrorism. But it was quite horrific because the things they were doing before 1994, and we'll get to 1994, is that they would chain themselves inside clinics. They would drag cars in front of doors. They would do whatever it took to stop people from going in those clinics. And so after Randall Terry, there were a few different leaders. The last uh, before the current is Rusty Thomas and now Jason Storms. With Flip Benham, Flip Benham was before Rusty and uh, he changed the name to Operation Save America. And then the name says it all. They believe to Save America, it's going to take a biblical worldview, stopping everything that's against their God's law. And we're going to be ruled by their God's law. That's their goal. It's just abortion is first. That's the low-hanging fruit. So they use whatever tactics they can. They're well funded, obviously. So they will they are underhanded and they will do whatever you they see fit. To, to get to the place they want to be, which is basically, I've learned it's a theonomy these days. That's a different thing, but they want their religious beliefs to rule all of us.
0: Yeah. And don't they um, also like have a whole doctrine? It's called the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. And they basically have created a series of laws and and guidances that basically absolve them from following any kind of laws or rules or anything saying that if it goes in opposition of God's law, then they don't have to obey it, giving them every opportunity, right? To just be shit. Pretty shitty.
2: much. Pretty much. Ignore Roe was one of the things. They were all about judiciary doesn't make law. Da 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 da. Well now that they've got this law, now they're gonna have to rethink that because now everybody else should ignore it and you know.
0: Well I'm a big fan too. They have this whole thing defy tyrants and my whole thing is taking it back. So I've been using defy tyrants as a hashtag on everything that we do so that their hashtag goes <laughs> Totally. They limp. are the tyrants. Yeah. So the I would tyrants. totally suggest while yeah. you're there and as you're posting, please use my sure.
2: tyrant's list. I this, think I will. Thank man. you so much. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, that's yeah, right.
1: Yeah. The OSA trolling <laughs> will never end. Never. Nor
2: should <laughs> it. Nor should it.
0: End. Nor should, <laughs> until, until there's none left. Until there's none left. That's exactly right. So, having said that, talk about how OSA has shown up uh, at your clinic, like what did, like, we've sort of laid up this brief sort of, that's their, that's sort of the giant worldview they have. But will you talk about when they show up, what that turns into when they protest, like, what did they bring? How do they behave? What are the, what is the, what are the things that they say? So that people can kind of get a feel for how that turns into a public facing day-to-day lifestyle.
3: OSA is a group used to come to Jackson more than they do now simply because we were the first ones to be, to have only one clinic in the state. And, um, 13, 14, 15, they would bring 150 people, 200 people with them. You know, um, it got to, I think OSA, you know, had their little slower times. So they're really good about getting locals to come out. So, They'll roll into town with 50 people, but there'll still be 150 on your sidewalk because everyone comes out to them. They have um, a magnetic charm. No, they have a draw. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I, I, I use parentheses a lot. Um, so what they do, um, and of course, you guys know this, but the bullhorns, the speakers, um, but they they bring a hatred feeling with them and the the osa people that we have now you know local osas they stand out with their anger and they you know you have the normal little pro-life people but you have a Coleman boyd and doug lane and that anger trickles down to the not so you know to the calmer antis and there's just this um i don't know it's a I don't want to say it's a power they have, but it's almost like they they bring with them hatred,
4: mm-hmm. and
3: it spills it over onto anyone. Not, I mean, I feel like all antis have a certain degree of hatred, but it amplifies it in them, and it gives people it, it makes them escalate to levels that you're not used to, like climbing ladders and looking over the fence and different things like that.
0: Well, when we were down there um, for. Operation Save America came and they did some lobbying and then they had a meeting, right? So they came, they brought a shit ton of people and they went to the Capitol and we went to the Capitol leadership
3: conference, the yeah. leadership
0: conference. Right. And I remember, um, we had come down and we had, some of us had rented Airbnbs and one of them had followed one of our activists to their Airbnb to say, you should repent, and it was like in the night, and so they fo- they follow you, and they also do shit like they'll target a physician who provides abortion, and they'll make w- like kind of wanted poster things, or or they'll write out flyers and they'll flyer every house in a neighborhood that says, you know, Jane Smith lives at one two three Walnut and is a baby murderer with the doctor's picture, and and th- and that kind of shit, like. Like they take down your license plate numbers, right? They take down the clinic license plate numbers. Like they're just constantly just wanting to get in your junk.
3: Yes. They bring a wanted poster out of Dr. Norman all the time. And I mean, Diane, our owner, had all of our doctors fly in. So she had a condo for them that after so many years she had to sell and get a different one because they found out where the doctors were and they'd be outside the condo waiting to scream it almost they left.
0: I mean, when hate is your profession, it's like, wow, they're, you know, professional hatred. So thank you for sort of laying out who they are. And they they have chapters all over the country and they have this national event every year. And we engage Abortion Access Front, some other groups have three years or four years now attended their national event, just challenging them in their own spaces. So. Let's just talk about We Engage as an organization and and what y'all do and what your goals are. And then we'll talk about how that is expanding into direct action.
2: Um, we Engage was founded in 2019 as a multi-pronged organization. It's a 501c3. At the time, supported the operations of the Pink House defenders, the escorts at the Pink House, and you know supported their efforts, all that. We also did work as far as social media and trying to help people understand the problems with accessing abortion, what it looks like outside of a clinic and destigmatizing abortion. So that's not out there because in the, in the bottom of it, escorts shouldn't even exist because we're out there to help people from their car to the clinic door through a gauntlet of abuse, you know, so really it shouldn't exist. Now, we're no longer out there escorting, and that's not the way we wanted it. We wanted it because it was normalized. Everybody went home and let people alone. And so we were trying to do work in that end to show people, this is what is happening outside. Are you okay with this? And now that you've seen it, are you going to do anything? What are you doing? Do you care? And trying to normalize abortion and getting people to say abortion and doing destigmatization work and trying to say, it is a part of our health care. It is a human right. Their narrative, the anti-abortion narrative, has unfortunately won. It has seeped into our language and into our culture in such a way that here we are without mm-hmm. the rights that we should have, the legal rights. I still have a human right to abortion, and it will occur if I want it to. Legally, I'm in jeopardy, though. So we want to bring attention to that. You know, we are now not free and equal participants in our society. And and we engage wants to bring those things. And we also look at it through the lens of separation of church and state, where a lot of people don't. And because in the end, why are we here? And we don't hear it addressed very often. Why is this happening? You'll hear, um, because people hate women, they want to control women. But why? What do we get back to? We can get back to the patriarchal. And their tool of the religion based in patriarchy.
0: So what I love is y'all are really thinking about how to take we engage to the next level, like what happens now. And as you as we speak, we're speaking from y'all are in Nashville. And one of the things and one of the reasons that AAF fucks so hard with Pink House Defenders and We Engage is because we firmly believe that we need to take to them. And we need to disrupt their bullshit. Um, if they're going to go to clinics, then we're going to go to their churches and their meetings and their conventions and mentally disarm them in in their spaces. So let's just lay out what happens at one of these conventions when people swing up in their trucks with fetuses plastered all over them.
3: They generally have these every year, most always in July. They get anywhere from 300 people to five or 600. You know, they were expecting a thousand this year. These are the last two days coming up. They may get that because I figured it all up today. on the counter. There definitely are more than 500 of them here. Wow. And they um, they roll into town to spread their hate. Um, they start drop carding, you know, 100 miles before they get here. And drop cards are the little hate messages that they have sometimes with fetal porn on them. The little supposedly aborted fetus pictures. You know, besides clinics, they'll terrorize anywhere. They're terrorizing people just trying to go about their daily business and enjoy life. You know, that's if I'm a tourist, I'm like, I don't know if I want to come back here with all these crazy people. So you know, they're they're spreading hate. And to a degree, they're spreading fear. You know, you're like, why is someone over there on a speaker screaming about repenting or you're going to hell, especially in
0: Nashville? You're here to drink and
3: party and go to a concert,
0: you know? And so tell me what, what are you guys doing to disrupt their shit? So they're still going outside of clinics. There's hundreds of them outside of clinics. So tell, tell folks some of your actions, some of the literature you've made, like how you are taking them on and shitting on their narrative and kind of breaking up that narrative.
3: Well, we, we have some great signs. Kim designed those. Um, we've, she's got some OSA signs that are perfect. You're probably going to have to read them off because I forget exactly what they say. Um, but we have our, one of our favorites of course is the giant honk for choice sign and you know we've just gotten great reception from people driving by with that but the little 18 of us that we have right now because a lot of folks you know have personal things and couldn't make it so we're a very small group compared to theirs who are also feisty as hell so we're out there on the corners right with them in the middle of what they're doing with our signs and our literature Um, We made our own drop cards. They have a little business size card that they hand out. And we made our own. One of them, my favorite one, Kim came up with it one day and we jotted it down. They're coming for your shoes. Because seriously, once they get us, you know, no more reproductive care, they're going to be going after our vote. And they're coming for your shoes last because they want you in the kitchen barefoot and pregnant. Yeah, so yeah, we her have her this her great her. little card that says they're coming for your shoes. So pink shoes. That's and, awesome. <laughs> now we also have, we haven't gotten them out yet, but when Jezebel has arrived today, we have these great cakes. <laughs> and I guess I should wait until we talk about Jezebel.
0: But <laughs> yeah. So let's yeah, so we'll let, that's a good segue. Let's get into so this action that you're doing this time is called uh, the Jezebel Rebellion. And I think a lot of folks don't understand. How old timey their insults are sometimes, like really just like they're very old testament, like scorny. And uh, I know, uh, from ha- having experienced it, and I know y'all experienced it a lot too, that they love to call us Jezebels.
3: I like to take that their, their book, their religious Bible, take their stories and turn them around on them because you know, they Jezebel was the most hated woman in the Bible, she was horrible, she was. Okay, frankly, a whore, da, 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 da. But you know, I read a lot of stuff about this when we were t- when we decided to use that name, and Kim came up with it, by the way. But um, Jezebel, there was really nothing wrong with her. She fought for her own, her own religious freedom mm-hmm. and for the freedom of her followers to believe what they wanted to believe. And because they didn't believe like the other folk and God, They went after her and, you know, in the end, her armies were defeated and their version is that, you know, a eunuch threw her out the window and they stomped, horses stomped on her and the dogs ate her. That's all they tell us when we talk about it. That's not how I see it. When her armies were winning, Jehu and the leaders went and hid. When she lost, she painted her face. She styled her hair. She put on her best gown and she sat in the window like the brave warrior queen that she was. And she died a hero. Mm -hmm. So to me, we just went through that. You know, you just took everything we had. You took away our rights. You took away our freedoms. And basically you stomped on us with the horses and you sent the dogs. So, Along with Jezebel's Rebellion, our symbol is a phoenix and we have risen from the ashes and we will come back for you.
0: It's so great. I love it. It's like, oh, you send us up, but we'll come back from the ashes. We just keep reanimating. That sounded like
1: a curse and I loved it.
0: <laughs> I I just think y'all are doing the most. And so, um, Moji, I think you want to take us out of the last question about, about what's next for Jezebel Rebellion, right? Yeah, what is next for Jezebel Rebellion? What is what is Jezebel Rebellion
1: doing, you know, besides cursing our enemies and stomping on the, the bastards?
2: We've been escorting to the last days of the clinic and then now we're here doing this. It's taken a lot to do all of that. So Jorena and I are going to take some time off in August to contemplate what next really looks like for us. But absolutely, there's a place for the work to be done. And if the conditions are right and we can make that happen, we would probably be more interested in doing that. But we we'll, we we haven't been in the place to make those decisions at this moment. We've been tired. Lord, well, we've been tired. Yeah, and I just want to tell our
0: listeners, man, the Pig House Defenders and Now We Engage should be household names. These folks have been on the ground doing this shit every day. It's the first place we went when I started um, LPJ. Uh, to advocate with and partner with. And they are 501c3. If you don't know what that means, it means that you can make a tax-deductible donation to their work because the truth be told, part of the reason that we fucking lose in this business, in this world that we're working in, is that the Mackenzie or whatever her name is, of the world, gives $250 million to something she's heard of. And the people who are doing the real work on the ground are too busy doing the work on the ground, y'all, to be able to have a fucking fundraising campaign and an advertising campaign and a whole thing campaign. And whatever these folks do, we're fucking with them all day, every day. And so weengage.org, hit that donate button because you want these brains to be working full time on making sure that we slam and shit on and disrupt these horrible anti-abortion white walkers, and that we are destigmatizing abortions. So Moji, tell folks where they can find Kim and Dorinda and all of that stuff.
1: Thank you so much, Kim and Dorinda, for joining us this week. And to learn more about We Engage and to get involved, go to weengage.org. And you want to learn more about the history of OSA, go to operationsaveamerica.com.
0: That's right. Donate to these guys, get them going and follow them on social. Where can we follow you on social y'all to see all of your posts and all of your disruptions
3: this week? We have all kinds of platforms Um, that we have Facebook pink house defenders, as well as we engage because pink house defenders haven't really gone away yet. We're always going to be in our heart and soul. So um, we have both Instagram pink house defenders and we engage Uh, we engage pink house defenders on Twitter And we have Pink House Defenders TikTok. Oh, the Pink House Defenders TikTok is awesome.
0: Yeah. So follow them all. We follow them all. Love you and carry on with your good work. So wish I was with you in Nashville, but, um, you know, I'm with you in heart and spirit. Wish you were here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Kim and Dorinda laid out the overview and details of Operation Save America's public terror campaign. But here to talk about what they do in the shadows, how they plot, organize, what happens at their secret meetings, is our AAF security and research guru, Kat Green. Hey, Kat. So, Kat, I'm super psyched to talk to you. Uh, We just talked to Kim and Dorinda, and they laid out for us sort of OSAs external plans you know how they take to the streets and how they're preaching in the middle of medians and 300 strong it's outside of clinics and outside of mosques and all that kind of stuff but they also during this this time and also subsequently throughout the year have these summits where they kind of make their plans for the future and what they're doing and and you're somebody who has followed not just on their national day or I mean week that they all get together, but like throughout. So I guess what I wanted to first ask you is, in the course of you watching them throughout the years in a pre-row space, what what have you observed as their as their model? And then and then we'll get to like what it feels like they're doing now after row. So what are some of the things that you saw them working towards? You know, in the past couple of years.
4: Sure. Well, last year when we were in Phoenix, we definitely saw, you know, it was a changing of the guard. Jason Storms was sworn in as the new national director. And then Lucas Childress and uh, Darren Stid were his assistant directors. We saw a return of the very old guard. Flip Benham came out, uh, Keith Toosey came out and were there to be there with Rusty in this sort of symbolic Hat change. <laughs>
0: well, hold on a second. Before you continue on, I think that we should a little bit talk. We talked a little bit with Kim and Dorinda about Flip Benham and Randall Terry and sort of the origins of Operation Rescue turning into Operation Save America. But maybe Rusty Thomas held the job for the longest, right? I think he was there the longest. And he's the guy that was the head of Operation Save America before this new dude, Jason Storms, took over. And what was sort of the vibe under Rusty before that?
4: Well, Rusty was an actor, yes, and, um, and a lesbian, you know, but also like a showman in a, in a certain regard, right? So it was very fire and brimstone. It was very showy. He would cry, he would scream, he would gnash his teeth. It was very dramatic, but weirdly. I, I have to say I miss Rusty. Like, <laughs> um, it's a very strange thing to say, but like under Jason, things have gotten way more militant. It started last year, but we really see it this year. There's just Uh, there's war talk in everything that they're doing. And you're starting to see that show up in the posts of other people who are attending these events, people who are not leadership, people who are just sort of one-off street preacher, outlier people that show up at the events and know everybody, but aren't, you know, it's, it's weird to see a lot of people buy into this battle imagery and talk about fighting in streets of blood on the regular now. Um, it's just gotten way grimmer.
0: Well, and I think, you know, for this new dude that runs it now, Jason Storms, you know, Abortion Access Front and you and 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 a lot of us in the movement have been following him in particular. And for those of you that don't know him, um, which many people don't, he's a... Very strong to a guy. He's somebody who is by marriage, uh his father-in-law is one of the leaders in the most militant anti-abortion origins, you know, the army of god and and coming from this horrible place. You know, Jason Storms fundraised for Kyle Rittenhouse and was up in Milwaukee, you know, defending things. and you know, he's he's from that ilk and has a church. That is really arm the Christians and sort of take over. And then he has this weird talk about the weird camp he has.
4: Oh, well, it's not in act. It's not active anymore. But yeah, you used to have the faithful soldier school of
0: evangelism. I mean, it's that just sounds I, like some kind of old timey Laura Ingalls Wilder thing.
4: Well, what? What we're seeing is in the last year, he started hanging out with actual arms manufacturers and people who do survivalist training. Before, I think Jason was somewhat of a Christian militant LARPer, and now he's... I don't know, taking it to the next level. He's talked a lot about how he's training. A lot of the imagery that you see in their videos is him out with a rifle at night and night vision goggles and crap like that. I mean, it's just, but you know, an important thing that happened this week is Darren Stead, who, uh who is one of the associate directors, um, stepped down because of a bunch of injuries he's had and was replaced by- Brain injuries, brain, right? Yeah. Five uh, concussions. And what?
0: Does he keep falling?
4: I don't know. That's I feel, odd. I feel bad for Darren. Honestly, they were all always mean to Darren. They gave him those pork rinds last year, and it's just like they just pick on Darren for being a big guy. And like, I don't know. I I always had a soft spot for Darren in this weird way. But regardless, they replaced him this year with a guy named Matt Brock, who's an ex-Marine and definitely has just like a tougher. He he fits. Jason's mold a little bit more about the tough guy that's supposed to be leading these Christian warriors into battle, you know?
0: So it sounds like, you know, Jason's taken over and there's been this very sort of manly, there's been, you know, we were also talking a little bit earlier in the show about this. Josh Hawley's writing this book on manliness and, you know, went on and on and on about manhood and manliness and woke cultures wrecking manliness. And this conference, The theme is like restoring...
4: Oh, well, it's not the theme, it's but their new t-shirts say restoring
0: manhood. Which yeah. <laughs> so the restoring manhood, and it's just, you know, it just feels virulently anti-woman. It just feels like virulently anti like everything. So how have the speakers played out? Like, what are they saying about pushing, like, how do you think they want to push this narrative forward? Because I really want to know like how emboldened they feel in this post-Row America. And also really just post J6. Like, if there's not a lot of people who are seeing consequences after J6 and now post-row, like are they just emboldened as fuck and are they they're, behaving as such? They're absolutely emboldened. There's already been
4: one well one blockade attempt at Carafem in Mount Juliet on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, uh there was an attempted invasion actually at two locations at Carafem in Mount Juliet and then at the Planned Parenthood in Nashville. Um and The antis have straight up bragged about their relationship with the police in Mount Juliet. They have said flat out to the police that they intend to do another blockade between now and August, um, which leaves this weekend. So, um, yeah, they uh, are not even pretending to be subtle about it. I have video of them talking to the police after the first attempted blockade and openly saying Well, well, first goading the police officer and using Uvalde as some sort of wedge to shame him into doing something on their behalf. But then openly saying that, you know, there are men that were that were willing to do whatever it took and they would prefer that the police took action. But if they need to, they'll do it.
0: Well, and that feels really it, it just feels, you know, I think in the larger scope, you know, we've just seen this conversation when it comes to, you know, all forms of just lawlessness and things that are happening. But when we look at the anti-abortion movement, you know, it was I was just you know, watching Indiana play out, and um the laws they're proposing are are really harsh and and, you know the the new sort of chief counsel of national right to Life is from Indiana. And you know, this is the mainstream organization saying, that 10-year-old shouldn't have been able to have an abortion. And you know, I'm as I'm watching some of the tapes and some of the speeches from the meeting in Nashville, the OSA meeting, the intolerance is grown and this is the first year that I've seen it I saw a little bit of it in the past couple of years but this is the first year where one of the speakers is somebody who writes all the legislation for abolish human abortion, right? Yeah. Um strategic ways of getting into office and talk a little bit about how they're planning and where they're looking to run and where they think they can win.
4: Yeah, there's a lot of strategy talk in terms of how to push legislation to enforce trigger bans or new abortion bans at the state level and Mm -hmm. how to get those written in a way so that they would escalate to the Supreme Court in a bid to get personhood written into law nationally.
2: Yeah. And so
4: the second that things went back to state's rights, they're like, right. But also, we need to make this a national issue. They they absolutely want a total ban on abortion. They want criminalization. There's a lot more talk than I've ever heard before about them wanting abortion to be punishable as murder for women and other pregnant people.
0: Yeah, it used to be the doctors they would focus on. And, and this trend, we're really seeing also taking the patient and the women and and really doing that. And, you know,
4: every meeting so far.
0: And that feels really scary. And, you know, just going back to Indiana, because it's just in the news right now and, and continuing, one of the things that happened in Indiana that we talked about, and it scares me is in the pro-choice side, trying to amend anything or get things in, a Jewish organization tried to get a hearing on religious exemption and they turned it down. In Indiana. And so, you know, as, as we as we hear people talking about on a national scale, what to go to the Supreme Court, how to protect abortion and religious liberty is one of those ways. Um, To see that states are flat out turning that down, it'll be super interesting to see. And I would actually like the Supreme Court to actually have to take a stand. Are you saying we live in a Christian nation or, or are you not?
4: Well, that's the other thing that has had a serious uptick is just a flat out open statement that, yes, their goal is to have a Christian dominion. Like, they, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: they're like, not they, fucking around.
4: They want to impose Christianity on everybody.
0: I, and it's and, you know, and this is just this microcosm of these series of meetings. And, and I guess the good and bad news about these folks is that they do reveal a lot about what they want to do in really stupid ways. They're not very strategic. They say a lot of the quiet parts out loud. When people are looking at ballots and they're looking at like, who's running, what would you say to people? How should they be looking to see if their people could be associated with these folks? You know, it's like, do I have a garden variety Republican asshole who's just a terrible human? Or do I have one of these extra people? I mean,
4: that's tricky because it's, I, well, It's actually not. I mean, it really just boils down to doing research on whoever you're voting for, you know, but Mm. that's not easy for a lot of people.
0: I would say find out who their church is because a lot of times that's revealed and you can find out what the tenets of their church are pretty easily. And and that can lead you down a path.
4: But also none of the people who are like anti-abortion or even flat out abolitionists hide it in their political campaigning. You know, they, they wear it on their sleeve. They're proud. That's a selling point. And the people, you know, they they don't really care if any of the left-wing people vote for them. They're going for those hard right people and they're not compromising. And honestly, that's, that's the bigger takeaway for me is that So many people on the left keep trying to course correct center instead of just being true to whatever their beliefs are and going forward that way policy wise, you know?
0: Yeah, because I mean, who even knows what those words mean anymore? They're useless.
4: And um, (laughs) words have no meaning either.
0: (laughs) Right. But extremism is real. I feel like extremism is real. um, real. Thank you. There's a couple more days of this conference left. And we're going to wrap up after this question. Who is speaking and what are you going to be looking for? And can huh. people watch it if they were just at their houses? Can oh, they watch? yeah!
4: It? If people get bored on Friday night or Saturday during the day, they can absolutely watch this on the Operation Save America Facebook page or on the Parkway Baptist Church Smyrna, Tennessee page on Facebook. Amazing! Um, they'll be live streaming those. And uh, tomorrow, X national director rusty thomas will be speaking so that'll actually be kind of fun
0: yeah you can see cat's boyfriend he's (laughs) actually he's like from central casting of fire and brimstone like nuttiness he'll he'll scream
4: he'll cry all of his kids are there you know but like, he'll say abortion's
0: a men's issue he'll say a bunch of stuff that you're gonna be like what
4: yeah but i'm way less concerned that rusty's gonna shoot me one day
0: you know (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) yeah um,
4: and, you know, I'm expecting another blockade attempt. I
0: think yeah, okay. Hurt. And is there any other heavy hitter speaking uh, over the course of what's coming up? Like anybody who's like going to be influential or?
4: Well, other people speaking Friday night are um, convicted child killer, Jake Eakin. And...
0: <gasps> now, that is a fascinating story. This this guy, we'll put a link to Jake Eakin's uh, story in the show notes. He is... He killed a kid and ran away. And then they had to get him and put him in jail. And now he's been embraced by the anti-abortion movement. It's really gross.
4: Yeah. And um, and musician and shock radio DJ Bradley Dean of the Sons of Liberty will be speaking tomorrow.
0: Love.
4: So there, the thing I like about Bradley Dean is that he he made a whole video about himself that starts with guitar riffs and who is Bradley Dean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yay.
4: <laughs> so tomorrow will be corny as shit. It'll be good. Kind of... Oh
0: God. There'll be some. Yeah. Cause there's been some serious, uh, just like droning on and on, you know, they had a, you know, they just, it, oh, sometimes been... it gets too much, but some you have to watch it all.
4: About, some people have been talking about taking their wives
0: virginity and stuff. It is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. When they talk to the teens, it's always a bummer. Um, well, Kat, thanks. I mean, I think the more militarized, the more criminalized, you know, I just, if you felt devalued um, because of what you've seen and watched, that's by design. And I think it has escalated in a way that is a direction that we all need to be alarmed about, which is why we all need to jump up. Um, Kat, thanks for joining us and filling us in on the inner workings of these fuckers. No problem. Happy to do it. Ugh. They are fucking creepy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's not enough that they're just like out in the streets being garbage. I mean, I think that that's how they want people to just dismiss them as, but they are doing serious plotting and vetting and, uh, they are just, you know, insurrectionists who prioritize abortion. Yay. For now. For now. I know. But, you know, I just don't know. They seem relentless. They seem tireless. And, um, I think they are tireless and relentless. They are. So that leads us into our fake sponsor, which (laughs) we couldn't do the show without the generosity of our fake sponsors. And it's always a bonus when that sponsor is a product about wellness. And I do believe a product that many of these anti-abortion monsters probably use. Oh,
1: absolutely. And Liz, you said it. I cannot stress self-care enough. And these days it's more important than ever to take care of your body, especially while you scream at strangers about what to do with theirs. And that's why I never leave the house without a six pack of Mike's Hard Communion Hooch. Mike's Hard Communion Hooch is the only energy booster the abortion clinic protester on the go will ever need. Besides the love of Christ, of course. Mike's Hard Communion Hooch is an infusion of holy water, white Zinfandel and trucker speed. Just pound a can of Mike's Hard Communion Hooch every time you need a blast of the Holy Spirit to keep you jacked up all day on that bullhorn spreading God's word outside the abortion clinic. Visit mikeshardcommunionhooch.com to learn more and use code JACKEDONJESUS at checkout for 20% off your first order. And if Hard Communion Hooch goes against your morals, try our Southern Baptist flavors like Funeral Casserole and Tropical Baja Rapture. Mike's Hard Communion Hooch. How else do you think Alito stayed up all night writing that ruling?
0: <laughs> I feel confused about the non-alcoholic. Uh, <laughs> which, is that just um, is that just a funeral casserole with some trucker speech? It? No, it's a little gravy, watered down, and
1: uh, you know maybe little fun bits of uh, string beans in there. Some uh, that is uh, that's,
0: one, that's one of our that's one of our more. Um, exciting products. I think got a lot of options there. Super excited. Also, yeah. I feel like I don't see
1: enough six packs outside of abortion clinics. So I'm excited for them. I don't
0: see enough six packs anywhere. I am um, <laughs> so sorely lacking in the seeing anything department, but now we're just blabbing. Uh, that's our show. That is our we show. Yes, we had a good show. We had a good show. I'm very excited about it. Thanks to Kim and Dorinda for being here. Make sure you sign up for updates from them at weengage.org and follow them on all the social medias at weengage for the number four good on Facebook and Instagram. And you can donate at weengage.org. All of that, of course, is in the show notes. And thanks, Kat Green, for your insight. Check out All Cats Research into a bunch of different anti-abortion extremists at hypocritesunmasked.com and follow her on all the socials at spygirlpix that's spygirl p-i-x thank
1: you so much for listening we are here for you as we navigate these dark days and we want to be a reliable info hub and a source of humor as we face some of the really hard times ahead we're in this together we got gotcha. you. So you can subscribe, write a review, give us one, two, three, four, five stars. It's the best way for our podcast to reach more people. And by doing so, you're helping more people learn about this assault on abortion access. To keep up on all the latest repro news, follow us on social at Abortion Front on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. FBK Live is edited by Remy Tournay and is produced by Abortion Access Front.
0: And- Action alert, if you missed our training kickoff to Operation Save Abortion, don't you worry, you can watch all the sessions and access the activity guide and sign up for upcoming trainings at operationsaveabortion.com. Also, we talked about the Janes. I highly, highly, highly recommend watching the Janes documentary on HBO Max. It's awesome, HBO Max, watch it on HBO Max, borrow somebody's password, do what you need to do, but it's really, really good. And
1: AAF is tabling and speaking at Riot Girl Fest at Elsewhere Brooklyn on August 10th. Doors open at 8 p.m. You can buy tickets at elsewherebrooklyn.com. This weekend, AAF is out in those Nashville streets disrupting OSA with We Engage and a lot of dope activists. So follow along on all the socials for that. FBK will be live from Netroots Nation August 18th to the 20th. So if you're- I know. So if you're going to Netroots in Pittsburgh, come see us do the show live and come to our booth. You can get deets and schedules at netrootsnation.com. And check out the cool shirts from We Are the Janes
0: at wearejane.org. That's right. And speaking of the Janes, next week, Judith Arcana, an original member of the Chicago Jane Collective, will be joining us along with Jackie, fabulous and incredible comedian. So, we will be doing a deep dive into the first Janes, which is super exciting. Plus, join our Patreon. Come on now. You'll be supporting great content and get cool FBK merch exclusively at Patreon. And if you want to give us some dollar, 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 dollars, we have super cool experiences. All pledges support this podcast and all of our activism at Abortion Access Front. Roe has burnt, so we need to take this scorched earth and do something good with it. And we are trying to with this podcast. So pledge patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills. And if you want to support Abortion Access Front in other ways, we have other cool merch and the donation buttons at aafront.com. We'll leave you with a
1: definitely not dermatologist sharing his unsolicited theories about bovines and Botox. Enjoy your weekend.
2: science they're using to mix it into mice and animals and monkeys is also they take it and
0: they put it in cosmetics for cosmetics for women on their face to look five to ten years younger. It's called collagen. Some places use cow brains for collagen. But
4: they like the baby better. Absolutely because it's more expensive that
0: way and women can feel like they're getting more younger while they use the products from babies that they've harvested their baby body parts.
1: Feminist Buzzkills Live, the podcast from Abortion Access Front. When BS is poppin', we pop off. New episodes drop Friday. If you want to support our podcast and all the work of Abortion Access Front, like, subscribe, and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash feministbuzzkills.